This podcast is brought to you by Podcast Nation. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. You're a podcast listener, and this is a podcast ad. Reach great listeners like yourself with podcast advertising from Lips and Ads. Choose from hundreds of top podcasts offering host endorsements, or run a reproduced ad like this one across thousands of shows to reach your target audience with Lips and Ads. Go to lipsandads.com now. That's L-I-B-S-Y-N-Ads.com. If I'm feeling bad about myself, if I'm saying to myself, I'm ugly, I'm worthless, you show that in your body. Then other people kind of read that in you and then reflect it back to you. You know, people believe what you think. I'm dumb. I'm, you know, I'm not, I'm bad at this. They take that as you are. And then they reflect it back and it gets stronger and stronger. So working to break that feedback loop, either with your child to begin with or with you to feedback what you want them to know, it takes a lot of time, but it's really necessary. I know you are doing the best that you can right now. Your relationships matter to you. You are important. And yet over time, we get stuck. We get lost or we stop showing up as our true self. We get hung up on the stories we tell ourselves, the comparisons, or feeling like we are not good enough. I'm Not Your Shrink is a podcast aimed at helping you feel connected to yourself, to others, and to live a life that is in line with what matters most to you. I'm Dr. Tracy Dalgleish, clinical psychologist and couples therapist. I bring you clinical knowledge and evidence-based research, experiences of sitting in the therapist chair and being a wife and mother to talk about everyday issues we all face to help you change the dialogue in your life. Let's dive in. We are coming into the last weeks of 2023, and I can't believe it's been a full year of podcasting with you. I'm grateful for all of your listens, reviews, and shares. I love being able to share these conversations with you, conversations that spark curiosity, compassion, and also connection with ourselves, but also with those in our life. Today's episode, we are connecting within ourselves, but also with our kids. I am sitting with Dr. Robin Silverman, also known as the Conversation Doc. She is a child and teen development specialist and host of the popular podcast, How to Talk to Kids About Anything, as well as the author of the book of the same name. She is a co-founder of the Powerful Words Character System, which gives educators the talking points they need to help children become kind, responsible citizens of the world. Dr. Robin has appeared on the Today Show, Good Morning America, CBS early show and nightline and has been quoted in the new york times washington post chicago tribune cnn.com and many other publications she lives with her husband two kids and rescue dog in north carolina let's go into today's conversation Dr. Robin, I am so thrilled to be sitting with you today thank you so much for joining me here on the podcast 
I'm so glad to be here. It's exciting to turn the tables after me interviewing you. Now you interviewing me. It's awesome. Yeah, we had such a great conversation around yes. couples and parenting and how do we navigate these really hard conversations in front of our children. But today we are focusing on your piece of work here. I'm holding your book. You've just released this fantastic book, How to Talk to Kids About Anything. Tips, scripts, stories, and steps to make even the toughest conversations easier. Let's just start there around what led you to this book? Yeah, when I was in fifth grade, I was bullied. I was ostracized from my entire class. And because of that, I realized that many adults had no idea what to say. I just remember standing on my blacktop of the school while other kids were like up by the doors and they'd be pointing and whispering and I'd be like kicking rocks by myself and the aides wouldn't say anything. Then I would go inside and the The teacher, she really did try. Uh, She actually asked the entire class to stay in the classroom while I was sent to the library by myself and talked about the problem, which was me, and then had me come back. She had sent the worst offender to come and get me, not the one who was doing the bullying and the ostracizing the first place, but the one who like fell into her power, who called me her best friend on the weekends, but didn't talk to me at all during the week. That's like the worst, right? And she came to get me. I walked into the classroom and I remember the teacher being like, what do you want to say? And I was like, what do I want to say? Like, what do you want to say? Right. Mm -hmm. At home, my mom would just hand me tissue after tissue. I'd be like crying. And I just realized that Nobody knew what to say to me during those very tough times. And that happened again and again with other tough conversations. A couple of us were joking, like, where'd you learn about, you know, your period and sex and all that stuff? I was like, well, Judy Bloom, you know, (laughs) are you there? God, it's me, Margaret. Where'd you hear about, you know, sex? Oh, forever. You know, the book forever from Judy Bloom. Like, it's it's a lot of the same kind of stories from people. So... Mm -hmm. I think that parents didn't often have the template back then. And that makes it so we kind of have to invent our own now, don't we? Gosh, I relate to so much of that. And I also know my clients' stories are so similar. And when I think of where did I learn about menstruation, I remember what I didn't learn. And I remember the experiences I had of who I thought was my best friend, then teasing Mm. me on playground telling all the kids that I had a pad in my pencil case and how shameful that was. And I I just remember the tears. And really, when I reflect back now with my adult mind, and also now being a parent myself, Mm -hmm. I see just how many adults didn't have the tools for it. And I remember that all throughout high school, and particularly grade eights, I had a few stints of really difficult bullying periods. And I remember even in my own therapy experience, one of the things that really stands out for me is when my psychologist had said to me, you know, Tracy, bullying is at random. You happen to be the one that didn't um, necessarily stand up loudly and say, stop that and move away and tell the teacher and move on. And I didn't. Mm -hmm. And... I just remember seeing teachers not knowing what to do. And gosh, Robin, mm-hmm. your story, yes. that, that's not how we approach it. To send you to the library and <laughs> to bring you back and you are not the problem, right? 
Right. And no child feels more alone than when 20 pairs of eyes are looking at them, waiting for them to fail, mess up, humiliate themselves. Mm. It was a terrible moment that I can't forget. And there were numbers of them. And I, I feel like adults wanted to help. It wasn't that they didn't want to help, just that they didn't know what to do. They didn't know what to say. Mm-hmm. And I just wanted to make sure kids didn't feel like that. So I do have in my book a, a chapter on friendship and, and bullying and, and toxic friendship, as well as you know self-esteem and body image and the things that kind of are happening internally to us as well as a separate chapter. I felt like I needed somebody to be like, those are not your real friends. And let's talk about what a real friend is. So I put it in the book. You know, I wanted somebody to be like, you're enough as you are. These people don't get to judge you and you take that in. So I put that information in that self-esteem chapter. Mm-hmm. You're not a failure. You know, there's many things that you can do. You have a lot of strength. So I put that in the in the failure and mistakes chapter. So it's a lot of what I needed to hear, but also what my friends and colleagues, also their stories and what they needed to hear. It's such a great book. I've flipped through it. I have already seen many hands-on tools that I can use. So you've tackled specific topics. What age group should people get this book for or who is it geared towards? So it can be for any age group because people have different conversations at different times, as you know, as for what you do. People come into different stages, not at a particular age, but just when they're ready. And that's the same thing with children. So there are conversations that you'll recognize that you can have with kids when they're really young, starting with, for example, if you look at the death chapter, you know, people are like, oh, I don't want to talk about that with my child, but death is part of life. It's a very, you know, it can be a very tough and morbid topic if we make it, that's the baggage of the adult, right? So when we're talking about death and you're walking along the sidewalk with your little one and you say, do you know why that bug isn't moving? No, that bug isn't sleeping. That bug is dead. And you use those words. You know, that means that it's not feeling any pain. It doesn't eat, it doesn't drink. It's already left its buggy body. And that's just the body right there. It doesn't have a life anymore. And you start to introduce it at a, a very young age. Some people will ask me, well, what about sex? It's like, what age you start? Like, there's a lot of conversations that kids need to have with their parent before they get to the intercourse question about consent and about kindness and love and respect Mm. and seeing parents and interact with others in a respectful and kind way. There's a lot to it before you need to get to that, not last, but that sort of middle conversation about that. So Really, you can have it at any age. And, you know, having a 14-year-old now and a 13-year-old, my conversations have certainly continued. Uh, and you, you'll get a lot of those in the book where mm-hmm. the sex and romance conversation and the death conversation, they've all evolved. And I have those types of things in the book as well as things get a little bit more existential in the death chapter and and yeah. why does this happen and where do we go and really more specific in the sex chapter where we're talking more about how consent applies to that and misogyny and and the things that you would want your child to think about before mm-hmm. making the choice to have mm. sex with someone so 
Support for today's episode comes from Loop Earplugs. For so long after having children, I kept wondering why I was easily overwhelmed and felt like an angry mom. The noise from the kids, the dog barking, and the sounds around me from everyday life. But I now understand that I'm not an angry mom, and instead, my nervous system gets overwhelmed and overstimulated, which is why I've been turning more and more to my loop earplugs to help me stay more regulated and engaged with the family. I'm using Loop Engage to help dampen the sound around me, and these Loop earplugs allow me to still be with every beat and conversation. I still hear Greg. I can still hear the kids. I love that they are so comfortable, and they come with eight silicone ear tips to ensure the right fit for you. The best part for me is that I take them everywhere with me. They are proving the test of time and not to mention they're stylish in my ears. Plus, we love the kids versions, which we've been able to take to the movies for our kids. I'm so excited that Loop Earplugs is offering you, my community, a discount so that you too can tackle that overstimulation while still being engaged with the activities and people you love. Visit loopearplugs.com and use my code Loop times Dr. Tracy for 10% off your order. That's L-O-O-P-X-D-R-T-R-A-C-Y for 10% off your order. Support for today's episode comes from Cozy Earth. Picture this, you're planning your summer getaway, what to eat, where to visit, what to do, and where to sleep. But what about the comfort of home while you're away? This is something I'm constantly considering because if I'm uncomfortable in my clothing, then I'm more irritated and then things overall just don't feel great. And this is where Cozy Earth comes in. Right now, you can get 35% off with code SHRINK at checkout. Cozy Earth isn't just about creating luxurious bedding and loungewear. It's about elevating and transforming your entire travel experience. Their bedding is so soft and buttery smooth, it beats any hotel sheets I've ever slept in. And Cozy Earth's bedding comes in these adorable totes, making it travel-friendly and hassle-free. These have been my go-to sheets for well over a year now, and they are a must no matter where you go. Plus, their loungewear is perfect for those long flights or car rides. Their temperature-regulating bamboo joggers and pullover crew ensures that you stay cool and comfy on those long flights. I know not everybody is hitting the road or the skies this summer, and that's totally okay. You can also create your own sanctuary at home, and Cozy Earth has everything you need to make every moment feel more blissful. Trust me, once you experience the comfort and quality of Cozy Earth, you'll never want to go back. My pajamas, the kids keep asking why I'm still wearing them. Visit CozyEarth.com, use my code SHRINK, S-H-R-I-N-K, at checkout to get 35% off. Discover your next destination for ultimate comfort at Cozy Earth. You're a podcast listener, and this is a podcast ad. Reach great listeners like yourself with podcast advertising from Lips and Ads. Choose from hundreds of top podcasts offering host endorsements, or run a reproduced ad like this one across thousands of shows to reach your target audience with Lips and Ads. Go to lipsandads.com now. That's L I B S Y N ads.com. I am just looking through the book because I remember reading this the other day around this piece of research here. I found it. You had said through peer relationships, fashion, social media, and mainstream media, 
you had said research on girls ages 6 to 11 shows an average of 24 incidents of sexualized content in popular children's shows per episode from comments to unwanted sexual touching. And so, I mean, I think this is the thing is a lot of people will say, well, we're not there yet. Right. Mm, we think of yes. the age and yet, and, and what I know also from the research so that you had shared that about girls, but also when it comes to sex, what I know with boys, I remember reading that it's about two years before parents actually talk to their kids that they've already discovered that they have an erection, that mm -hmm. something is happening in their body and that they've learned yes. to touch their penis and that feels good. Right. So, gosh, it's so important because what you're saying mm -hmm. here is we need to have these conversations in the home. Yes. This, this is part of our responsibility. This is us having this willingness to get uncomfortable mm -hmm. in these things. Yes, it's so important to get uncomfortable. And the, the thing is, if we don't do it, somebody else will. Yes right? The kids still want the information. Mm -hmm. We want them to have the information from a trusted source. Mm -hmm. You're the trusted source. You also know how your child receives information best. You know, their sensitivities, you know, your values that you want to kind of underscore with them, but also opening up to questions, which kids may not want to ask other people. Do you understand what I'm talking about? What do you think about this? Are friends of yours already talking about this? What's going on in your classrooms? Because they do, the research tells us that the kids want to talk about this with their parents. And those kids who do talk about tough topics with their parents tend to be less likely to engage in risky behavior than those who don't have these conversations. It's who do you want to have them with your child? The, the, some kid in the back of the bus or an influencer on TikTok? Where do you want them to get the information? I want them to get it from me. And so the book is providing that information for parents so that, yes, it may feel awkward, but at the same time, they'll have it. They'll know what to say. They can look at the book. They can read it full out or they can check it as needed. And then say, hey, let me just take five minutes and I'll meet you downstairs for ice cream. And we're going to I'm going to answer these questions yeah. for you. They want to know. You've marked actually something really important there is that not everything has to be addressed right in the moment. And yes. I think that's something we need to remember, not just in our parent-child relationships, but also in our romantic <laughs> relationship, right? Just you because something right. happened right in that moment, you don't have yeah. to go into it. Some things have happened with one of my kids and I remember seeing it and I know that shame shows up right away mm -hmm. and it can be really hard and uncomfortable. And so I marked it and I just had said like, hmm, that's really interesting. I said, you're not in trouble. I'm glad that we could see this and, you know, we can talk about it. And I left it at right. that. We continued to build Legos and play. Um, and so I can just imagine then coming back to your book and yeah. because what, what we tend to do, too, with the parenting guidance and advice is we get so overwhelmed that then we don't yes. get through something. So right. I really view your book as something as we don't have to do this all at once. We can right. do it at the different stages. And Robin, I'll never forget the when we're talking about Internet safety and how it's important for us yeah. to know what you're looking at. And so, you know, here are our family values and what we're doing around mm -hmm. that at home. The kids were like, oh, okay. And I had gone a step further and I said, because there are naked yeah. images of people on the internet. And they both burst out laughing. 
which mm-hmm. of course, right? Because it's, it's uncomfortable okay. and it's like, what? Right. Making people on the internet. But it was just this idea of how do I want them to learn this? And when I think of the clients that I work with and when I'm talking about sex, sexuality, intimacy, how did you learn about sex? Mm-hmm. And many boys particularly will say somebody brought a magazine to school yeah. or someone had this internet link that they sent mm-hmm. me and I looked and And that was their first entry into it. No parent had talked to them at the time. That's right. I actually brought it up to my kids in sort of the same type of way where I was serving dinner. My dinner table can be a place of incredible conversation. (laughs) And just certainly while I was writing this book, they just never knew what was coming. What was I about to talk about? But I just sat down and I said, this is the time when one of my children was 11, the other one was 12. And I said, hey, I just read a study that said that the majority of kids have seen porn by the age of 11. Have you? Because I knew that it was a topic that I could get stuck on, like getting the words out. Mm. And did they know already what porn meant? Yeah, they already knew. And so I just like, and my son said to me, you know, actually, I was Googling something, something popped up. And I X'd out of it right away. But yes, there was like some naked person on there. And I was like, oh. and I didn't tell you because I thought I would get in trouble. And that was the nugget of information that I really needed to know and expand on because I want my kids to know. And that's that parenting gold moment where if your child says something like that, you need to be able to say, if you ever come across something like this, something that feels uncomfortable, something you have questions about, I want you to come to me and ask or your dad, and you will never get in trouble for asking for help. Mm -hmm. And if you say that, then you need to carry that through. Even when we have a fear response, because, you know, it's it's the fear underneath the anger, right? That we often go into anger because we're scared. So scared. But our kids don't see the fear underneath. They just see the anger. And what do children do? They internalize it and they take it to mean something about them. And then they go to shame. It's so, gosh, you know, you think of even just adults who have turned into people pleasers and perfectionists. Mm -hmm. Because what are we trying to do? We're trying to move away from shame and learning how to really regulate ourselves. And that's what you do in each chapter as well. As Mm -hmm. you say, like, it starts with you. We need to start here with you so that you can be connected and grounded so that when they come Mm -hmm. to you, you're not. Right. And they can talk to somebody like you. They can talk to their Mm friends. Like if you have issues around a particular topic, whether it's failure or sex or Mm -hmm. death or whatever, because there's, I mean, there's my whole first chapter is on emotions. I mean, Mm -hmm. we get all stuck on emotions. If you're having a lot of trigger responses or stress responses when it comes to feelings and emotions because you've never talked about them before because that wasn't part of your family or then that's something to talk about with somebody else because you don't want to be engaging in that type of conversation with your child when you have so much baggage as you know but that's part of it so you're right it starts with you 
Yeah, I think it can be really difficult because in some ways we can also end up swinging. So if we even think of like body image or self-esteem, right? So Mm -hmm. if we struggle with something inside of ourselves, we Mm -hmm. then want to overcompensate with our children, right? So growing up in the 80s, everybody was on a diet in the 80s. There was low (laughs) calorie, low fat, everything. You know, Mm -hmm. I can remember family members saying, you probably don't want to eat that extra cookie and Mm -hmm. all the things about bodies. And so Mm -hmm. then it's so easy to then naturally swing into the other side and to say absolutely nothing about bodies, body image or self-esteem because we don't want to pass that on. Right. It's so neat to see how children are so neutral about their bodies. Mm -hmm. They don't have the voices, but then I'm starting to see it change. So my daughter recently had said, oh, look at my six pack. And I had said, huh, look at your body and see just how much it did for you today. Mm-hmm. Okay, I see that your body got you out of bed and it got you to your yeah. friend's birthday party. Today. How yeah. cool is that? But then I was also thinking, when does she hear me say those things about myself? Right. Of, I'm proud of my body for what it did for me today. But yeah. She probably doesn't. Yeah. And it's, it's a good note to yourself that maybe, you know, what I call parenting out loud in the book where mm. you actually have that internal voice, but saying it externally so that your kids are hearing that internal dialogue, whether it's what you just beautifully stated, or it's something like you spilled something on the floor. Oh, I made a mistake. I'm going to go get a sponge. I'm cleaning it up. Oh, see, it wasn't that big of a deal. Or, you know, oh, I sent this email to everybody today. I've, I'm so, I was so frustrated with myself, but I realized that I'm not the only one that's ever happened to. You're just saying these things out loud so that they can hear that my mom is not just telling me, or my dad is not just mm-hmm. telling me that mistakes are okay. They're actually saying it to themselves too. So I think that's such a beautiful illustration of what we need to be saying so that our kids are hearing that. And everything that we're saying does become their internal scripts. And what we do becomes their playbook. So we have to make sure that we're also matching with, I'm not just, oh, I'm, I can't eat that pushing away the food and oh, I'm eating the salad. You guys just eat the lasagna. I can't, you know, you have to be kind of matching what you're saying. And that doesn't mean you can't eat healthy food, of course, but make it everybody. Sometimes are the questions I get about body image because that was my research for mm-hmm. my doctorate was it's like, oh, well, if this one's gaining weight, my this daughter's gaining weight, but this one isn't, can I give this daughter the salad and this one, you know, the cookies? And can't everybody eat the salad? <laughs> you're like, if that's something that you consider healthy, then you'd want to teach your child, no matter what their weight is, let's eat healthy food because it's nourishing to our bodies. Let your message be consistent, whether it's for a child who is more likely to show more weight on their bodies and let them be beautiful in their bodies. And somebody who isn't, has more of like the straight up and down body. You still want to nourish them and you still want to teach your children that that's really important, no matter what your body size. Mm-hmm. You're a podcast listener, and this is a podcast ad. Reach great listeners like yourself with podcast advertising from Lips and Ads. Choose from hundreds of top podcasts offering host endorsements, or run a reproduced ad like this one across thousands of shows to reach your target audience with Lips and Ads. 
Go to LipsonAds.com now. That's L-I-B-S-Y-N-Ads.com. You're a podcast listener, and this is a podcast ad. Reach great listeners like yourself with podcast advertising from Lipson Ads. Choose from hundreds of top podcasts offering host endorsements, or run a reproduced ad like this one across thousands of shows to reach your target audience with Lipson Ads. Go to LipsonAds.com now. That's L-I-B-S-Y-N-Ads.com. I think we're talking about why body image and self-esteem are so hard to tackle. And what was interesting is as I prepared to speak with you today, I had said to my husband, what conversations are you having with the kids about body image and self-esteem? And he was like, huh, no, I, I don't think I am. And I, I had reflected to him too. I said, you know, I haven't specifically mm-hmm. done it either. Although it's part of our value system in terms mm-hmm. of how we're parenting them. But it was interesting to think of, we haven't really done that. So I wonder, Robin, let's define, could we define self-esteem? What is mm. self-esteem and why is it so yeah. important? Well, I mean, self-esteem is really just how you're feeling about yourself. And if you're enough, how you show up in the world, if you have strengths, it's really evaluating who you are uh, and how you feel about who you are. So while self-esteem isn't the end-all be-all, you know, of everything, it is important because how you show up in the world, how you feel about yourself creates this feedback loop where if I'm feeling bad about myself, if I'm saying to myself, I'm ugly, I'm worthless, you show that in your body, then other people kind of read that in you and then reflect it back to you. You know, people believe what you think. I'm dumb, I'm, you know, I'm not, I'm bad at this. They take that as you are, and then they reflect it back and it gets stronger and stronger. So working to break that feedback loop, either with your child to begin with or with you to feedback what you want them to know, it takes a lot of time, but it's really necessary. Mm-hmm. I really like that. That was something that you talked about in the book, the identity feedback loop. Yeah. Can you define yeah. that for us? What does that look like? If you're talking to yourself and I feel like I am statements are so important. I am ugly. I am lazy. I am blameworthy or I am strong. I am valuable. So you start with that part of yourself How are you defining yourself, that identity? Then putting it out to the world where you're showing it in your body. I am confident or I am worthless. I am ugly. I am lazy. And then other people kind of receive that information from you and they say, oh, she's lazy or she's to blame for all of these things. Like, And they take that in then they're conversing about it. They're talking to you about it. They make that so much stronger. Now you're hearing it from other people. And it seems like it must be the truth. You put it out, it kind of circles around and it gets stronger and stronger. That feedback loop becomes more and more part of your identity. Mm -hmm. And it really is up to us and up to the child in kind of a collaborative way to redefine your I am. I think of so many of us getting these messages that 
weren't helpful. I am bossy. I am sensitive. Yes. I am too much. I'm not enough, right? Those Mm -hmm. kinds of statements. And I think even of, of my kids, you know, I think of how we can easily find these negative labels for actually yes. what is such a strength, right? That, yes. you know, it's not bossy, especially telling girls that they're too yes. bossy, right? But they're, mm-hmm. you know, they're determined. They're fierce. They're assertive. Assertive, right? Yeah, I and love assertive. Such a strength. Yes, I, yes. I love that piece. Yes. You yes. had said in the book how important it is, specifically in the self-esteem section, how important it is to honor our children asking us for our attention in building self-esteem and how important it is when they can ask for what they need. Mm -hmm. Yes, very much so. And when a child is able to voice that, even if it's different from what we needed, Mm -hmm. that's really important to recognize because often we will compare our children to their siblings. We compare them to how we were when we were growing up which was a different time, as you mentioned, in the 80s. It was just a very different time. The way that people parented was different. The way our expectations of children were different. Uh, there's a reason why we came up with latchkey kids back then. It was just a very different time. My mom was just saying to me today that, oh yeah, we used to just send you out like to go play. And we'd be like, come back when the street lamps go on or we had a six o'clock siren. And it's very different now with big phones and tracking and, you know, don't go too far. And where are you going? And it's just a different, a different time. So when a child is asking for help, we need to make sure that we're giving the help that they need, but also not giving the help when they don't need it. And both of those build Mm self-esteem, ironically. Mm -hmm. So if a child doesn't know how to make the sandwich, you're going to help them. And I talked to Julie Lithcott Hames about this, who I love, who talks about adulting and you know how to raise an adult where you have your child watch you, then you have your child assist you, then you assist your child, and then your child does it on their own and you're uh-huh. you know, maybe watching them. So once they get to that point, then you don't want to keep making the sandwich. You want them to make the sandwich. And I don't mean like, Hey, the child's tired. You know, you want to make them their sandwich. Yeah, fine. But not because you make it better. You make it faster, which you do clearly. But the only way they get better and faster is if they make the sandwich over and over. (laughs) I'm I'm like trying to hold my laughter in because sandwich making is such a thing in our house that at one point they're just so good at it. They did it. And then, you know, who who doesn't want so like yes, call it a sandwich effect when someone else makes you a sandwich and yes. it always tastes better it does <laughs> and then you know over time our kids have slipped from making sandwiches and now yeah no same, like, same oh why? could you just make it for me mom i already know how to make it you know <laughs> yes but there's a sandwich is sort of the representative for me for like laundry like cleaning up the mess like of course, it's faster for you to do it. Of yeah. course, it's going to be often better. But how often are we just going to tie their shoes forever? Are we going to do their laundry forever? At some point, we have to remember that they got to go out into the world. So unless they're in a position where they are unable to do those things, then we've got to teach them. And then we got to step back so they can step up. 
Yeah, I think that's so important. Just that stepping back, right? Mm. Which Not that you, it's easy. <laughs> no, <laughs> my goodness. None of this journey is easy, no. which is something that we don't talk about before having children. What should we look for in our children? Let's even think of some of the different ages if they are struggling with their mm. self-esteem. What would be some of those flags for us to tune into? Yeah. Because children don't come to us and say, <sighs> my self-esteem is really low, mommy. It's, yeah, it's really taken a hit today. Yeah, yeah, you're absolutely right. So parents know their children best. So are they eating less or much more than they were? Is their friend group completely changed over? You know, they're they're not going out. They are sleeping a lot more or sleeping a lot less. Looking at those typical markers, those everyday markers to see how your child is feeling. Even at a very young age, you can see that. And I remember having a conversation with my child, it's probably like six at the time. And I could see he was more withdrawn than normal. And I asked him what was going on. And he said, why does nobody pick me as their best friend? And that's a loneliness factor, right? The way that they're explaining something. Why does nobody pick me? Like, you know, what, okay, wait, what does that mean? Our knee-jerk reaction as a parent is going to be, oh, people pick you all the time, you know, and try to, but to listen, to really hear what your child is saying, you feel like nobody is picking you. And that's making you really sad. You wish somebody would pick you as their best friend. You thought this person was your best friend. You're reflecting back what they're saying so that they hear you get it you get them you're not trying to make it better you're just listening really actively so that they feel supported by you hmm. once you get to the point where you've listened you can ask you know do you want my advice or do you want me to just to sit here with you you don't need to solve the problem necessarily in that moment because they may not want that. Mm -hmm. And in fact, may push back on you, you know, for that. So really hearing your child in the way that they phrase something at a young age without dismissing them is going to be really important. But those very, very specific everyday markers, since you know your child best, tune into those. That's your intuition telling you something's going on here. I've noticed you haven't been eating much lately. I've noticed you've had a lot of trouble sleeping lately. What's going on? Are you thinking about something? Is something coming up for you? What happens when your brain hits the pillow? What's going on? And then be open to the answer without dismissing. Mm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think that's so important. It's like I, you're saying, I'm going to sit with you and mm -hmm. really try to understand this. I think sometimes you've got this messaging of like, that they're just going through something. They're just mm -hmm. going through something. Oh, it's a phase. They'll get through it. And instead being able to see or to actually try to understand rather what's happening for them. This came to mind as you were saying that about your son. I was thinking of one of my kids who one day didn't have a play date and I didn't have something to do that day and said, I'm just going to lay in my bed and sleep. And that's not like him mm -hmm. in, in mm -hmm. that typical mode. And um, 
I was like, yeah, I don't know. Let's talk a little bit more about this. So I, I gave him a few minutes and I called him out. We sat on the couch and he just cried. And it was just yeah. this feeling of, you know, it wasn't necessarily about being left out or lonely. It was just this kind of more like, this isn't fair. This is really mm-hmm. hard. I don't feel mm-hmm. good. And it was mm-hmm. a really good reminder to talk about what works and what doesn't when we have really good feelings. So I love what you had said there about really understanding our kids. And then I also love this reminding ourselves that our kids don't have the toolbox yet, right? So that's right. And they need that for adulthood because here I am in my office with adults saying, of course you feel depressed. It makes sense. I understand Mm -hmm. where this feeling is coming from. And sometimes we don't get to choose this and control it. And you still get to choose the things you do. So staying on the couch and lying in bed, which is essentially what I had talked to my little guy about. It was like, Mm -hmm. yes, I know that's what your body and the emotion wants you to do. And yet that's not what's going to necessarily help you move through this. That's but right. we know there are other things that we can take our feelings with us and go and do like, let's play mm-hmm. some Legos. Let's go out right. for a walk. Why don't we get on our bikes and go down the street and back and put on some music? Those are all mm-hmm. of those really cool tools that we can use to deal with those hard feelings. Yes, very much so. And I even encourage parents during the times when things are not tough to have those Mm -hmm. conversations. So what can we put in that toolbox, especially when it comes to those tough emotions for children that will help us? What does help you to Mm -hmm. feel calm? What helps you feel happy? What puts you in a good mood? And your child might say, oh, this joke book. And, you know, this type of music and this blanket running up and down the stairs and and getting on your back, whatever it is for them, having them express it when their brain is completely online, Mm -hmm. when they can really go through it. Because, of course, we know our children when once they get into a state where they're crying, they're angry, you know, they're really hurt or they're really scared. That's not really the time that we can get into conversations that solve the problem. So can we make what we call the mad box or can we make a a sad bag and have it ready for them? It looks like this might be a time for you to get into that little teepee and listen to that music you love that makes you feel so calm. This might be a time when you want to open up your mad box and drum on that drum you love. What's going to work for them, but get their cooperation and their collaboration during a time when their brain is fully functioning and online. Mm, Yeah, I love that. How should parents approach when there's influence from maybe someone outside of the home, like, Mm -hmm. you know, they come home saying, well, Lily said this about me, or even maybe a coach or a parent doesn't have the same Mm -hmm. perspective and they're having a negative impact on our kids. Mm -hmm. It's so hard. And uh, obviously what I very much went through when I was younger and and what we started with the, the podcast with and One of the things that I really feel is very important is making sure that the people that get to kind of be in your child's head are the ones that they would choose for themselves. And again, it's it's during that time, that calm moment when you say, if you could pick three words uh, that would define a friend for you, like what would they be? Like it could be anything. And let's say they said, Oh, somebody who was kind and somebody who was fun and somebody who's loyal. And then 
you and you ask them, okay, so you said Lily said these things to you. So would you say that Lily is being kind and loyal and fun? Like, is that how you would talk about her? And well, I mean, she's fun some of the time, but I guess she's not really kind. And she talks behind my back, so she's not really loyal. Well, then is that a friend by your own definition, like what you said? And allowing them to come to the conclusion, because you just at that moment want to be like, who the heck is this Lily? And why does she get to say anything to you? She's Don't not listen nice. to Lily. Don't listen to Lily. She knows nothing about you. And helping them to come along in this conversation to realize that this is this is not a true friend, helping them to define it for themselves and then asking them, well, who is a true friend and whose voice do you want to have in your head that's kind and loyal and fun and allowing them, what would, what would your friend say about this? What would you say to your friend if they came to you and said, this is what so-and-so said to them and helping them to take some different perspectives because looking just in on yourself sometimes is really hard, but looking out and what advice would you give to your friend if their coach said this to them? What advice would you give to your little brother if their coach said that their teacher said this to them? And and helping them to say, wait a second, if I was to give advice to somebody who I truly cared about, my perspective would have been, they don't know you well enough to be able to say that because I see this in you. All right, well, what do you think your best friend would say to you? Maybe we should call her and find out. No, oh, I love that. Yeah, I love that. Robin, as we wrap up, what is the one thing that listeners can do today to start connecting with themselves? And their kids? I would say, remember that you can always have a do-over because some people probably listening to this and saying, I did not do what Dr. Tracy did. I did not do what Dr. Robin did. I said this, I ignored them. I pushed it off. And that's a shame response. Of course, we would think what we want is to remember parenting often provides an ultimate do-over. Every day you can try again. You can have this conversation again. You can say, hey, last week you told me about Lily. And I said, don't listen to that girl. She knows nothing. But what I really wished I said was this, or can we have that conversation again? Because there were some other things I wanted to talk about and start again. And just, you're, that is such a, beautiful way of showing your child you're not going to get everything right on the first try you've never parented that age group mm. or that child or you, this or is that you. experience or that experience moment. it's like right. okay i coming to this fresh and now i'm realizing this is what i wish i said or i realize i haven't had this conversation with you and instead of bashing yourself over it just have it it's really mm. okay that's why again like i'm not saying you must have this by this age group just have the conversations, open them up. If your child knows the answers about things, they probably still have questions. Let that child ask those questions, be a good listener, but take your moment and have your do-over. Thank you so much, Robin. I'm so grateful that we've had the chance to sit together and talk together, talk about all of these hard conversations that we need to be having with our children so that we do this first before 
hopefully first before everybody else jumps in, including social media. Where can people learn more with you about you and where can they grab Mm -hmm. the book? So I'm at drrobinsilverman.com and you can get all your information there on speaking engagements and everything else. And my book is anywhere books are sold, how to talk to kids about anything. You can get it from Amazon, your indie bookstore nearby or Barnes and Noble, any of those places. And I'm so excited for you to have it because it's a book you can read all at once or you can read it as you go and keep checking back on it over time. Yes, such a good resource. So I'll put all the links in the show notes. Robin, thank Thank you you so much for sitting with me today. I'm so glad to be here with you. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you for joining me for today's episode. I know I will be taking away the reminder to parent out loud. And also, this is a reminder to all of us. We don't want shame to take over in our relationships, whether it's with your partner or whether it's in those hard parenting moments. Shame is such a powerful experience. And many of us don't even realize that we are struggling with this piece of unworthiness of not enoughness that is this undercurrent in our interactions with ourselves, but also with those that we love. And I love what Dr. Robin said today. You don't need to be a perfect parent. You do get to have that do-over. So don't let shame sidestep you showing up in your most important relationships. Don't forget to like, review, and subscribe to the podcast. Also, I want to remind you that you can submit your questions to me to be answered here on the episodes. You can do this on my website, drtracyd.com forward slash podcast. I love getting your questions and answering them here. And if you haven't yet, and you are looking for something to be different in your relationship, please check out my newest resource. The first one is I have my 100 questions to help you deepen your connection, along with a free session, my free masterclass that helps you learn how to repair with your partner after the fight. And of course, one of my most favorite and most meaningful things I have done this year is to release my book. You can grab I Didn't Sign Up for This on all formats, wherever you purchase books. And the audio is also available on Audible. So until next time, take good care of you and I will see you next week. Remember, this podcast is for educational purposes only and does not substitute for the care from a licensed mental health care provider. Hey, I'm Charlene Joint, and you may remember me from season 18 of The Bachelor, and this is my husband, Andy. Hello. Together, we host Dear Shandy, a relationship podcast where we answer all your burning relationship questions and satisfy your guilty pleasure, aka bachelor needs. Not only do we provide the best bachelor recaps in all the land. So we're told. But we even bring on your favorite couples from Bachelor Nation for live double dates. Subscribe to Dear Shandy. We guarantee belly laughs, razor sharp advice, and to never take ourselves too seriously. 